All right, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin and Brent this morning. So there was a couple punches landed over the weekend. Uh, Nate Diaz and Jake Paul exchanged some blows over 10 rounds. Punch me instead of watching that. Uh, There was a UFC event. I believe Corey Sandhagen got a victory in the main event. That's real. But the most (laughs) memorable punch landed came off the right hand. Of Jose Ramirez. Yeah, don't get it wrong. The Cleveland Guardians. Yes, do not get it wrong. It was a right hook, not a left hook from Jose Ramirez. And it was one thrown a little bit blindly, but uh, that didn't matter much because it did the job. To discuss that and the Cleveland Guardians, who, of course, the Blue Jays are doing uh, business with over a four-game set this week. Let's bring in our next guest, Aaron Goldhammer, co-host of the really big show on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Aaron, you called it the highlight of the season. Jose Ramirez knocking out Tim Anderson. Why is that the highlight of the season? And what does it say about, you know, the Guardians? But also, what does it say about Jose Ramirez? Well, uh, the Guardians haven't had a whole lot of punch in their lineup this year. If you look it up, they're dead last in the major leagues in home runs. And so they finally provided a little bit of offensive punch and got a little bit of excitement. I don't know that there's a big highlight, you know, a big walk-off or, uh, you know, a a huge pitching performance in a big spot. Uh, They're one of the more disappointing teams in baseball this year, I think. Um, They had a great season last year where everything broke right for them. They had the youngest team in the majors, and a lot of those young players played awesome. They've had a lot of regression I think this year, and then they've also had a lot of injuries this year. I mean, their top three starting pitchers are injured right now. Shane Bieber, of course, and Tristan McKenzie, who's hardly pitched at all this season, uh, and Cal Quantrill. So, you know, of course, the Canadian, the the World Baseball Classic kind of did him in. So I think, you know, if if you look at their their whole year, it's just been kind of a total mess. Uh, But, you know, it was cool that, that Jose Ramirez was willing to fight for something. Uh, and that was one of the all-time I – mean, I, I don't know what you guys think, but that's got to be one of the best base brawls in Major League history. I don't know that it's on the Robin Ventura, Nolan Ryan level, <laughs> uh, but it, it, is, it is definitely like tier one to me and will go you know, on that all-time list. So I, I think that's the only thing the Guardians have done this year that's going to go on any all-time highlight reel. Uh, you're very right that nothing's topping Nolan Ryan just putting him in a headlock, giving him a noogie, and punching him like three, four times in the top of the head. I don't know who did this. Right. I don't even know if it was in the major leagues. There's also a clip I've seen where a guy gets buzzed, the batter, and he karate kicks the catcher before then going out to fight the bat or the pitcher at the mound. That is an excellent move as well that I don't know I can condone being topped in Major League Baseball, but if someone wants to try, I wouldn't get too mad about it. And then, of course, the other one that's front of mind for us here is, uh, unfortunately, a bit of a sad one, uh, Jose Batista on the wrong end from from Rugned uh, Odor. That's the other one that jumps out, but you're right. The thing, yeah. I have, the thing I have to ask you, Aaron, about this is just – little inside the business, like, you know, we do this too. We get up. We're trying to gin up topics every day. You must just have been maniacally cackling, laughing to yourself, smiling ear to ear, going, oh, my God, this is going to give us so much fodder. As a guy who just talks sports every day, you must have just been dying with this uh, gift from heaven, honestly. So we were at Joe Thomas's Hall of Fame party. You know, the Browns uh, yep. left tackle made the Pro Football Hall of Fame over the past weekend. So we were all standing there, a lot of the members of our team. 
when this happened. And it was like the conversation went from celebrating Joe to everybody was just watching this on their phone. (laughs) And it's one of those clips, you guys, that just the more you watch it, the better it gets. Like, you know, sometimes there are highlights. You see it once, you see it twice, then you put your phone away, you're done. This is like if I could go on and watch it right now while I was talking to you guys, I would want to go back and do it. (laughs) And one of the most incredible things about it to me that we spent a ton of yesterday talking about, so many sports fights are like, you know, you know, bleep you, bleep you, bleep you. Oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And then they end up going nowhere. You know what I mean? Like the, the hold me back, hold me back, hold me back. This was bring it on, bring it on from Tim Anderson. And then Jose Ramirez said, okay, you want to dance and landed one of the all time great sports punches ever that not only knocked Tim Anderson down, you guys, if you've seen the video of this, I mean, 15, 20 minutes later, he's still a little bit woogly <laughs> yeah. uh, and didn't play the next day. So I think that this is really, this was a all time great punch from like a fight night perspective, not just from a baseball perspective. I think you another good thing about it is you have a clear hero and clear villain. Like Jose Ramirez is one of the more respected guys around baseball. And what we're learning about Tim Anderson is that he's not. Uh, I mean, Gunner uh, mentioned earlier. I know which about, side Josh Donalds is on, that's for sure. Gunner mentioned earlier about Jose Bautista and Ruknet Odor. I mean, Ruknet Odor is like public enemy number one. He got waived or DFA'd by the Padres as the Padres were coming to Toronto earlier yeah. this year. And it was disappointing because you want to boo Ruknet Odor. Uh, is is Tim Anderson the Rugnet Odor of the AL Central? <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, the, the only weird difference, I mean, Tim Anderson is a really good player. He's a better player than Odor ever was, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that's for darn sure. But the White Sox, you guys, are a total joke of an organization. I mean, they've got the most talented team in this division. He's kind of hard to hate in a way because his team's Stinks so bad. They've got a ton of talent, but they've got one of the worst cultures, I think, in all of sports. So I think one of the things that makes a great sports villain, like Draymond Green, for example, is like at the top of the list, you know, in in Cleveland. But that's in part because he's so darn good and he plays on a team that wants 73 and nine. You know what I mean? Like he's that sort of makes a great sports villain. But even though Tim Anderson is good, what makes him a joke is the fact that his team can't do anything. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly well said. And yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It, it would feel a little different if the uh, the White Sox were still like the bullies of that uh, division from even uh, even a few years ago. But uh, they've been getting bullied pretty good. You know, what do you think it's done to the Guardians as a team? I was joking on this show last week. And, uh, you know, the Blue Jays found a different way to galvanize himself by sweeping the Red Sox. But I was joking that Alec Manoa should just buzz somebody so they could get in a fight, wake the team up. Like, it was just looking very sleepy. I'm yeah. half kidding yeah. about that. But what do you think it's done to this Guardians team? Like, does do you feel like it's injected some life into them? Well, if you look back at the history between the two teams, I mean, this had been brewing for a while. Um, Josh Naylor had hit home runs, another Canadian hero, had hit home runs uh, last year. We like to keep them close, just across the lake there. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's right. Uh, And and and, you know, the the White Sox didn't like it, and there was some stuff with Larusa when he was you know half asleep in the dugout last year, and all all of that. (laughs) 
Um, but but I, I think, you guys, that this was also the result of a lot of frustration from the Guardians clubhouse. Um, you know, they were one game out a week ago, and their front office decided to sell at the trade deadline. And since August 1st, they've played their worst baseball of the year. And I don't think that that is an accident. You know, I think that their front office showed that they didn't really believe in them. And their response to that was to sort of lose some fight. And I think that that was frustrating to Jose. So I don't know if Aaron Savali doesn't get traded and if Josh Bell doesn't get traded and if Ahmed Rosario doesn't get traded, that Jose Ramirez reacts, you know, to Tim Anderson the way he did. He might have just sort of laughed and turned and walked away. Um, but I think rather than firing up the team moving forward, I think the punch was sort of a byproduct of the frustration uh, over the course of the last week, if that makes sense. And I, I don't think they have played better since then. I mean, they they blew a game two days ago with really, you know, two bad defensive plays in the ninth inning. Uh, and then you guys saw really a lifeless performance from them, especially offensively last night. And they're playing a bunch of kids. You know, now half their lineup is a bunch of minor league dudes that most people in Cleveland have hardly seen. So, again, when I say that it's the highlight of the year, I don't think that this is going to suddenly spur a 12-game winning streak and them climbing back into their division. Um, I think they're disappointing. They stink. And the punch was sort of the result of some frustration and represents kind of not just where the team is, but also where the fans are. Yeah, I mean, it's been great for content, clearly. Uh, maybe not so great, uh, especially when you look at the rest of this Blue Jays series here, because despite Jose Ramirez playing last night, we should expect that he will miss at least a couple games of this series. And if you're the Jays, you know, Cleveland coming at a pretty good time because uh, that lineup, it looks like, is going to look a lot different without Jose Ramirez uh, in the middle of it. Uh, just like in general, like, what are the Guardians trying to accomplish? Because you mentioned maybe a bit surprising that they sold... Uh, they clearly been dealing with injuries last year. They had a great year or this year. They had a great year last year. Is it kind of the, the ethos just hang around, just be competitive in what is a lesser division and hope that you can catch fire at the right time? Or do they have, you know, a pretty clear path and direction that's defined? Okay. Yeah. I, to ask me to speak on behalf of the direction of this franchise right now is really hard, <laughs> but I, I, I guess I would try to say this, like that they have uh, ownership that's not willing to spend. Um, so they're going to have one of the lowest payrolls in the major leagues. And it feels like their goal is to stay above average as much as it is to win big, if that makes sense. So I think, you know, if you ask them, they'd rather have sort of a 10 year semi competitive window where they win 85 games a year rather than sort of sink to the bottom and take their lumps just to get their Vladdy Jr. and Bo Bichette prospects so that then they can take the next big step forward. Um, now, what's kind of crazy there, I don't know how long Terry Francona still has to manage. When you have the greatest manager in franchise history, probably, you'd think you'd want to maximize that window as much as possible. But it doesn't feel like they're really all that interested in doing that. Uh, they want to try to do two things at the same time, which is get younger and cheaper while also staying competitive. And those things are diametrically opposed to each other. So it's threading a really 
thin needle, you know. And their front office, to their credit, you guys know Mark Shapiro, who obviously spent 17 million years in this front office. So a lot of the philosophies that they have still come from Mark with Chris Antonetti and, and Mike Chernoff and the guys that run the team. They've done a pretty good job of threading this needle, but it is a massive ask for them to try to do those two things at the same time. You know, LeBron used to say around here, you got to make the main thing the main thing. Well, what's the main thing? Building for the future or winning now? You kind of can't do both, especially on a, you know, $60 million payroll or whatever it is. So, you know, I, I think what they're trying to do is confusing to fans um, and frustrating. They've done an awesome job of being competitive. But a lot of the frustration, you guys, dates back to November 2nd, 2016, and losing Game 7 of the World Series to the Cubs in extra innings. I think if they'd have won that game, they'd still be in a championship honeymoon window. But they haven't won a World Series in 75 years. This is the longest stretch of any team in professional sports. So you have to also factor that in when you think about the cocktail that fans here are trying to swallow on a daily basis. I know it's very uh, little consolation to all of those fans, but God, what a game. Arguably the greatest baseball game ever played. Uh, just didn't go out uh, the way they wanted to. Uh, you mentioned off the top that you were at uh, Joe Thomas's Hall of Fame uh, party this weekend. Uh, just a quick kind of check-in on the Browns. Obviously, we know how awkward everything was at the beginning of last season with Deshaun Watson being up in the air. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I don't know if things have kind of normalized a little bit. What are expectations and what's the vibe around the Browns this year? Well, we're kind of going in, you know, with a lot less buzz and juice nationally and many, many fewer distractions. All of that is a huge positive, in my opinion. Like, the Browns have not handled success and attention and hype. Those are things they have not handled well at all over the course of the last couple of years, right? So, instead, this is a really talented team that I think a lot of people expect to finish dead last in their division. I think they have huge variance. I could see a scenario where they go 5-12 and 12 and have to fire Kevin Stefanski, their coach, in the middle of the season. Guys, I think this is the first time ever where I could honestly utter these words. I think there's a realistic scenario where the Browns could win the Super Bowl this year wow. because they have a quarterback whose ceiling is really high. So buckle up, because this is going to be one of the wildest rides, I think, in the NFL. This year, I think they have a lot of really talented players. Uh, but I think that they're still the Browns. And so you have to kind of factor that in before you just assume that they're going to win 10, 11 games and be competitive in one of the toughest divisions in all sport. Yeah, we're ready for it. We're definitely ready for the NFL season. Ready to see if uh, that variance can bounce uh, Cleveland's way with one of the more interesting uh, athletes in terms of what exactly they're going to bring this year uh, in the NFL. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Aaron. We appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy all the discussion today and beyond uh, of Jose Ramirez. We can milk it for all it's worth. Uh, and we'll see how the Blue Jays and Guardians settle things over the next couple nights. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and hopefully we can do it again soon. 
you guys are lucky I'm not like Jose because that crack you made about 2016, I'd be coming up to Toronto to Tim Anderson. <laughs> hey, don't don't paint Justin with that brush. That is all me, Brent Gunning. I am the jerk who ruined your morning. So I would I would take the exact same tact if someone said something yeah. about my Leafs in 1967. So I I I, I woke take up all the early punches. for you. I got out of bed to do this. I'm not getting paid. <laughs> And I'm getting pooped on by the house. Appreciate it, guys. Just one Thank you. Just one. <laughs> uh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, that's Aaron Goldhammer of The Really Big Show. Good name. On 850 ESPN Cleveland. Maybe the Super Bowl for the Browns. Let's dial that back. He was like, he was he was clearly upset about my, uh, and I did, again, it was, I didn't say anything that was untrue. <laughs> it was an awesome game. I still close yeah, my yeah, eyes yeah. and I can hear Matt Biscurgeon, oh, Santa Maria! It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, why, why do you why do you want to dial back the optimism of the Browns? I just, they're the Browns. I, I did a real curse. Literally seen every, I've watched football in my life. You? Yeah. Have you? Have you done yeah. it? Yeah, have, I have. Oh, okay. Well, then you probably. I did, I did, did a real that. cursory look at that roster. It's pretty good. Oh, it's hey, pretty good. The the he who shall not be named under center guy can ball. Say what you want, and I, boy, I got a lot to say. Not here, not now. But man, say what you will. That guy, he could play. There's a reason he got all that money. A lot of it was so he could still get paid, despite all the whatever going yes, on yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's also because he can play he, so he can play he can play i he did kind i did kind of forget he was their quarterback for half a second with like yeah they got his skill to guys like, oh, they do oh my oh they do him that's right i forgot no we got to get nfl brain back got to make sure that we know <laughs> mckee i forget what the team he was when we were doing it he's like ah, i don't know who's the who's the quarterback a blank and i'm like we are not ready to play this <laughs> game yet we need to dial in before we're ready to play that game you know what we're ready for something to chew on brought to you by great canadian meats oh the special i was just special. like to commend you for the way you did that um just a professional got through it cleanly great job by you <laughs> uh let's see if uh we're willing to commend the next or the subject of something to chew on, which is Jamal Murray. He's been ruled out of Canada's exhibition games ahead of the FIBA Men's World Cup. Canada Basketball made the announcement yesterday saying that Murray will focus on off-season recovery and that his status for the actual FIBA World Cup remains unclear. This is uh, just another example of us not having nice things when it comes to international events, big sporting stages, when we're just dying to not only just see it, but see our best out there. Uh, Jamal Murray, of course, had a long season with the Denver Nuggets, winning an NBA championship. For sure. He looked like he was all smiles and ready to go. Maybe something's come up. I'm not really sure, but they were selling this team, right? We had Jordy Fernandez on when we were, me and Ailish were hosting fan drive time, and he interrupted me when I asked about Nicole Jokic to say, Jamal Murray is the guy and the guy that I want to talk about. And that said to us, hey, Jamal Murray's going to be on this team, which is great. Yeah, but Ron Jamal Barrett Murray told me the same thing. Jamal Murray's got to play in the games for us to be excited mm-hmm. about it and for Canada to make good on what is a lot of expectation for the FIBA World Cup and getting back to the biggest stages and getting back to an Olympics and making sure that this basketball uprising actually means something in an international stage. You know, if he's dealing with an injury, there's not much you can do about it, but it just feels, I don't want to say it feels convenient because that's not completely fair, but it feels like it always feels where there's a little disappointment because Canada's best are not going to be there. Forever with Canada basketball, 
you say this about Canada blank, a lot of sports, but specifically with Canada basketball, focus on them. The problem has been that too often it was, what is the excuse I can give to avoid playing as opposed to what is the actual issue that's keeping me out? You were not looking at it from a standpoint of how can I make myself available? It was how can I not? And it really seemed like the worm had turned on this program. And yeah, we can cry, but Andrew Wiggins and get upset about that. And I understand he had some circumstances that I still don't think anybody knows the particulars of, which, okay, that's fine. You can keep it private. That's honestly, like I sound sarcastic. I do not mean it that way. That's his prerogative. But you're saying, okay, who cares about Andrew Wiggins? We got Shea, we got Jamal, the guys are, and Jamal Murray. And like you said, to the point, I don't think anybody would have murdered him for it if he came out from the jump and was like, he had the excuse. I can't. I just did the thing. I did the run. My body is spent. I need to be ready for next year. We would not have liked it, but it would have been at least Mm semi-understandable. This is just back to same old, same old. It feels like it always has where, and you know, it's not just him, right? Jamal Murray's the one who matters the most, but O'Shea Brissett in a similar spot. Corey Joseph in a similar spot. You know, Kevin Pangos, he wasn't even part of the group initially. He was poking around at the training facility. I don't know why he couldn't get out there and play. It is, again, it is just frustrating and we are, what, a month removed? You were saying you talked to Coach Jordy Fernandez. I talked to Rowan Barrett. I talked to Nate Bjorkerim, one of the assistants, all of them selling that message. And I don't think they're lying to me, but that's the message that was sold was there's buy-in. It really is there. And look, if guys are hurt and they can't play, they're hurt and they can't play, okay? I understand that. But this is always the thing of, well, you got, oh, is a guy hurt or is he injured? Well, he's probably hurt. I don't think he's injured. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and... These are all questions we always have to ask. And yes, with a country like Canada, where we have the high-end talent, we are going to want to see it eventually. And it's just frustrating that once again, we find ourselves in this spot. Yeah, and maybe when it matters the most, uh, guys, guys still will play show in the up, tournament. Right? That's the thing we should say. Like, he has not been ruled out for the tournament. No, no, but he, he could still play in the tournament for sure. I'm not uh, holding but my this, breath on that. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, because this is, when there are injuries... And there are other organizations, NBA champion organizations, who have a say in these things. Well, you get to this point where it's like, do we really need to do this? And Mm -hmm. you really don't. Uh, And maybe they won't need him. But what you would like is the best being involved start to finish. So when the games are at the elite, elite level, maybe you're playing on stages that you have not been able to get to previously with any sort of regularity, that you're ready for them. Mm -hmm. That you're ready for them. And it would help them get ready, not only to have success now, but be ready for bigger games in the future if you could get that consistent buy-in and these players could play together when it matters the most. Maybe it doesn't matter as much, but it would be nice if there would just be some consistency and the buy-in wasn't just, hey, yeah, I'll show up in Toronto and work out for a week. Yeah. Right? And smiles and photo ops. Like, uh, fine. Eventually, we need to see it. You need this team to come together. You need to see it come to fruition. We've been waiting since Steve Nash and his band of merry men stormed in Sydney 23 years ago. Okay? It's ridiculous. There is too much talent. And you look, as much as I'm going to kill the guys who are stepping out, like kudos on Lou Dort, still there. Dylan Brooks, maybe it's just going to be a fight. Shea. Che, always showing up. Maybe I don't know. It's like maybe Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks are just going to fight everybody, and that's Canada's path to victory. Kind of like that. Yeah. It worked for, working for, well, I, actually, it's not working for Jose Ramirez and the Guardians. But you understand what I'm saying? That's the path, and it's not to say that they can't do it. It's not to say without Jamal Murray that it is an unattainable goal, but, man, it just got a lot harder. And, again, I don't even want to necessarily just kill him because I think he wants to play. I think he wants to commit, or he wouldn't have committed in the first place because I think it is way easier 
to have this conversation in the first place than to pull the rug out from everyone, and that's what it feels like is happening yeah, right Yeah, I mean, it could be genuine. It could be, It probably is genuine, right? There's probably something he's dealing with, and mm-hmm. that's why he's not there, because he could go and be involved and not necessarily, you know, play yep. 38 minutes. Like, you might not need that. You mm-hmm. shouldn't need that. You should be trying to, you know... Uh, see what else you have beyond Jamal Murray because A, he's got another job to do, but B, you're trying to build a team. And yep. if it's all Jamal Murray all the time, maybe not. that's not the best way to, to deal with these exhibition games. Anyway, it's just disappointing and it happens over and over again. And hopefully it's not an excuse for others to see this and be like, well, Jamal's that's, not doing it. That's the big worry. Maybe is Jamal's that not doing it. Becomes it becomes a mass exodus. Yeah. You can't have that. We can't have that. Uh, okay, so let's get to break. Busy weekend in sports. A little more than two weeks until the World Cup starts, by the way. 25th Canada's opening game. There you go. And not in an ungodly hour. It's like 9.30 in the morning, our time. There you go. And I want to be excited about that. I know. Like, that's coming at a great time, right? You want to be excited about that. You want to be up for these games. But if it's going to be lesser than, then we're going to treat it as lesser than. Totally. And that's just the reality of where they've been. Uh, busy weekend in sports, a rare one for early August and midsummer. But a lot of things to talk about. We'll do so in the winners and losers after the break. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In life, there are winners and there are losers. I was just telling you about how big a winner I am. You want to share that with the radio listeners? Yeah, just, uh, yeah. No, no surprise to anybody in my family. I just was saying, I spent 18 to 30, like, building up a firewall for people's expectations of me. It's like, will he show up to this event? Why is that, that Brent? I just like to keep to myself, okay. which is weird. People hear me, they're like, you come on the radio and talk every day. Yeah, here's the secret about it, though. And I'm, you and I are having a conversation. We'll continue mm-hmm. to do it. We will welcome in at least one other person at a time occasionally. But it's because the reason I like this business is it's a lot of me, and this sounds bad, very little of you. I just got stuff to say. I got to get it that off my chest. That doesn't sound great. It doesn't, doesn't sound great. No. And buddies of mine have realized it because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big court holder. You imagine, like to spin a yarn, tell a tale, tell a story, and it's great. But then someone else is like, hey, I got something to say. Let me inject my, I'm like, mm, I don't. I don't know if I need that. So mm. it's really the perfect business for me. I, I, I have a couple of people when I uh, when I joined Alish about this time last year, maybe maybe eleven months ago. They're like, "Really, radio? You don't you don't talk much?" And I'm like, "Sorry, you, I sorry I don't do thirty minutes on the Maple Leafs at dinner." You're not. You know what I mean? Well, I, like, I will say you're not. You know, like we meet all types of characters in this business, and you're on the less chatty side of things. Like, me and Ailish discovered it's actually, and you know, like, other. I want to be clear, uh, your show, I shouldn't be saying this, but, like, other people are welcome to join you and Ailish, but of it course. seems like it's been some semblance of me, you, Ailish, McKee, mm-hmm. and you and McKee can't be together, and me and Ailish can, but shouldn't, I don't think, be okay. together, because there's just, like, there is a clear, like bubbly person and mm-hmm. a more like, you know, okay. Well, that's why I fit with Haley. That's too. exactly what I was going to say. And that's why you and I. But I feel like there are expectations on us that yeah, don't get that are to not chatting. Like, that, no, no. But on both of us, you don't want to <laughs> chat with your own family. No, no, no. I don't. No, here's the. It's not that I don't want to I let talk. other people talk. No, yeah. I don't need to be the only one talking. No, get your, get your take I out like there. I like listening. 
You like listening? Yeah. Learning? Yeah. Okay. Sharing I'll try my it. perspective. I might. I once might, I've learned about someone else's perspective. I might try it one one of these days. What'd you say? Sorry. <laughs> Wasn't listening. Uh, okay. Let's listen to this. Winners and losers. Uh, bu- busy, busy weekend. Winner, oddly, me. right? Have a mic in front no, of me. No, loser for not wanting to hang out with your family. If anyone, <laughs> it should be, that should be your comfort zone. Where it's Actually, just like, quick, you can be quickly. you without having to I did. be so uncomfortable in a social I gathering. I had the best version of hanging out with my family. I uh, pawned my child off on my wife's family and then hung out with my wife. So that was lovely. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. She's the one. She's your safe space. Yeah. She's the one. But person. even she is like, do you have to talk so much to me? I'm like, yeah, I do. I got a lot to say. I don't need the leaf takes. Yeah, you're getting it's them. Not, I just, I don't, I just, I, I don't quite. I'm chatty. I'm just chatty. You're chatty, but you want to be around. You want to just talk to yourself. No, I like a. I like but a even during the break, audience. you bomb into the, you bomb in, you start talking to oh, the producers. Okay, that's that's false. I did that once, and it was for it was twofold. It was to say what up to Andrew because I love my guy Andrew okay. Santos is on doing the hot seat. He is doing a great job, and I had to get you know. Yeah, we'll throw him under the bus. He sent out a great tweet about it. And I had to get Daniele's take on what's going on with Jamal Murray before I came on here. No, nah, you do this all the time. I do do it all. No, I don't. Mm-mm. No, I'm not I think bugging you crave those guys. social interaction. No, when I'm doing this show, I like, the, I like the chatter. And I'm not somebody who like save it for the air. No, the mic goes off and I'm like, hey, Cuthbert, I got more to give you. But I don't <laughs> typically bug those guys. And our friends who are right out the door at City News 680, there's one guy, shout out Mike Gibbons. I love to bug him, but there's not a ton of interaction there. So I, I push back on that narrative that I bugged the guys behind the glass. Perfect amount. To defend myself, I've grown a lot. I don't think there was a, I don't think there was, you said 18 to 30. You yeah. didn't accomplish much. Yeah. I don't think I spoke words before 9 a.m. between the ages 18 and 30. I'm really proud of you. Then. Now I'm doing three-hour radio Look at you. before it. There you go. Okay, give me your biggest winner from the weekend. Uh, other, other than me. Uh, I think the biggest winner in sports over the weekend, Davis Schneider. Guy, like, just appeared out of nowhere. And I know there's going to be Blue Jays people like, what are you talking about? I've been saying he should go. Okay, good for you. Congrats. Pat yourself on the back. This guy came out of nowhere for all intents and purposes. And as we started the show, he batting leadoff now. He batting leadoff. And he just got here. The Jays are just tweeting out a picture of his mustache on his face. He's looking great. All of the jokes we used to make about Kevin Biggio being John Schneider's son, we could just transfer them to him. (laughs) Davis Schneider, far and away the biggest winner of the week. And it's not even close. Or weekend, and it's not even close. Yeah, he is. Uh, He is, uh, of course. Uh, It was legendary. It was a legendary start. It's like for a Davis phoenix Schneider. rising, and he's he's from the, the type, ashes of he's Fenway. the type I, he's the type of guy that has me believing in time travel, though, because mm. he looks like he's from not just a previous era, like an era long ago, like an era he I could have played at Exhibition Stadium. I the Batista level of excellence, yeah. I believe, is this weekend. Yes, this weekend, Saturday, of course, must watch Saturday, August twelfth. Jose Bautista will enter the level of excellence. They trot out former players. During these ceremonies, mm-hmm. maybe guys that played with players on the level of excellence. Yep. If they just did a and a couple guys from the '93 <laughs> team and Davis Schneider <laughs> just, just in the middle walking out like camouflaged yep. with other guys, I, I I don't think any. I think you'd fool 99 percent of totally. the Blue Jays fan base. He well, looks, not anymore. Now he, he's like the most popular guy on the team. But. I know. I still think you could. I still <laughs> think you could if you just put like regular clothes on the guy. 
His civvies. He's got his glasses on. Looks, he he would look God. like a guy from a different era, and that's what I love about him. He I looks told like you. he should have played with Raleigh Fingers. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He looks like he played at Exhibition Stadium. He did. He really does. And he played at Fenway Park quite well over the weekend, and I agree. He All is time the biggest, ballpark. Not big, surprised. Big, big, I bet you winner. that guy rakes at Fenway and at Wrigley. Yeah, it didn't happen for him last night. I know. That's what I'm saying. We need these like old timey, like I wonder how Camden Yards, not an old timey park, but feels like one. Feels like one. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could trick him. Would that not be a great, how good would that be? If it's like this guy hits 500 in old timey ballparks, but anything like post-war construction, <laughs> even he's like, eh, can't do yeah, it. Yeah. Doesn't new. feel right. Doesn't, Doesn't feel, feel right. right. And that goes to your theory that he actually is from the 1950s. Uh, I got to give George Springer a winner as well. Mm. Busting out of his slump. Big weekend for George Springer. Helping him get right. Hopefully that continues. Did continue a little bit in Cleveland. Um, we've talked about Jose Ramirez a lot. I, I'm just going to go the negative route. Or oh. I'm just going to I'm just oh. going to push it on to Tim Anderson. Oh, okay. Because not only did he get knocked out mm-hmm. on the playing field. In a playing field where <laughs> punches aren't generally thrown. Um, but like all these stories are now coming out about Tim Anderson and about how he's maybe the most disliked person Mm -hmm. in baseball. So knocked out, suspended six games. We've got uh, stories about an altercation he had with Yasmani Grandal where he got slapped in the face by a teammate. It just seems like this guy is radioactive. Can we just set that? I feel like people might just be like, I'm sorry, Yasmani Grandal did what? Go ahead. Yasmani Grandal slapped him in the face. In a hot tub? In or a near, hot, adjacent to a hot it tub? It seemed like he was in the hot tub. <laughs> and I hope... Hard he, to defend yourself in a hot tub. Well, I was going to say, I hope he is Tim Anderson. Because now, Tim Anderson, like, you know, I know baseball players typically are a little shorter. I don't know if he's quite at the height where you can easily just cuff him upside the face if you're seated in a hot tub. I cannot imagine many things that would, like, emasculate me more. And I'm not even Mr. Like, hey, I'm a big, tough man. But it'd be tough to bounce back from being open hand slapped while somebody else sat in. Like, if you were just sitting in a hot tub and you're like, hey, Gunner, dumb segment at 730, and cuffed me in the head. Not that you would do that, but... If they both in the hot tub? Yeah, this is hard what I to, need hard to, know. to fight in the hot tub. I I've again, like White Sox beat reporters, the season does not matter. I'd argue the offseason doesn't matter. I need answers. This is just like the Tommy Fam punch or slap or whatever happened there. Mm-hmm. Again, still trying to get to the bottom of it, kinda. I need this. I would like to know all the details involved. Yeah, all the all the So wait, is yes, Monty Grandal oh like a half winner then? That that detail came out? A retroactive winner? I don't really know. If, if Tim Anderson's sitting in a hot tub and that's your choice so of he's only a winner. confrontation. So it's only a winner if Grandal was sitting in the hot tub. It, yeah, if he reached out of the hot tub <laughs> so to deliver good. the slap, I think, then he'd be a winner. But, you know, everyone just seems to not like this guy. It seems like he's a guy who is also actively failing at his craft. Like, he used to be a pretty yep. uh, Tim Anderson. He was almost a J. If Morosi would have had it his way, he would have been. And maybe we know why he's not a J or why he wasn't traded or why he's struggling at his profession at this current moment because he's just not a good guy. At least that's what it seems like. And the good guy in baseball, the guy that everyone seems to like mm. and who's going to have all these great conversations at first base, second base, third base, wherever he ends up, is going to be celebrated for delivering the knockout punch of the Major League Baseball season. So winner, Jose Ramirez, loser, Tim Anderson. Two more uh, related winners to that. Tito Francona, who anytime you got to utter the line that more times than not shouldn't be uttered, but it was fine in this instance. Boys will be boys about two men in their 30s. You're a winner. Good job by you, Tito. Mm-hmm. Him having to stifle back his... J 
just like I love Jose Ramirez for this. It was amazing. He ha- him having to stifle that back like, well, it's not funny. I'm sitting up here chuckling about it and telling you all my favorite parts, but it's not funny. He was a winner there. And also uh, the Lake County captains who are the minor league affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians, they're winners because here are the giveaways they got related to this. All friends named Tim get a free ticket to sit on the grass, which I just thought was remarkable. Very good. If you wear a Jose Ramirez jersey, you get free of those like uh, those like air. You blow them up with air, and they're like thumpers, loud sticks. They're called Bam Bam, so pretty fitting for a guy who punched him in the face. Uh, there is a like. Have you ever seen that game at the arcade where it's like who has the hardest punch? Oh yeah. They're basically having a home run derby of that. They could have just called it a contest. I don't know why they had to call it a home run derby, but hey, it's baseball. Uh, and then they are having a Mike Tyson's punch out contest on the machines in their arcade at the park. So they're winners as well. Because if you're not going to lean into something like this as a minor league baseball team, you might as well just fold. They might as well be the Lake County knockouts for that weekend as well, <laughs> yeah. honestly. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, if you're not leaning into this, if you're in the Cleveland area, then yeah, you're missing out on the greatest content opportunity of this Guardians season. Uh, uh, loser is me. Because I oh. stayed up and watched Jake Paul and Nate Diaz <laughs> Yep. on Saturday night. I was uh, wondering where you were going. But I'm not, that is definitely not, a reason. Not really sure why I did it. Um, it's, it's, Let's you talk know, through it. Try to explain. It's just like, it's, it's I guess, <laughs> a little FOMO. It's like, if everyone's going to be talking about it, do I want to see what happens mm. too? I think that's exactly what's happening. Uh, I'm not hate watching. I don't have any like real vitriol for Jake Paul. I don't think he's ruining boxing. Uh, I just think he's putting on an exhibition. And I guess I'm a Nate Diaz fan. I like mm. Nate Diaz when he was a UFC fighter. I guess he can go back to the UFC now that he's made all his money with Jake Paul. Uh, but it's kind of like it was kind of the classic Nate Diaz where he's kind of overmatched yeah. despite it being Jake Paul, but he doesn't die and he keeps coming at you and you think for a moment that Nate Diaz might win late despite clearly not not being the better fighter in the moment. I don't think it said anything about Jake Paul's, bo- Jake Paul's boxing. I still think he's an inferior boxer and all these guys are handpicked and, cle- and clearly Nate Diaz was handpicked. A lot of guys made money. No one got hurt, <laughs> I guess. No one got hurt to Tim Anderson level at least. And uh, yeah, I feel like a little bit of a loser because it was not a good uh, showcase of sports, uh, but it happened. But it happened. Uh, that's about all I could say good uh, about anything involving either of the Paul brothers. Uh, I've just decided. Well, apparently Logan's the best so, WWE wrestler so they, on the planet right now. They really scratch my old man itch. Again, I am only 33, but nothing makes me feel 73 more than the Paul brothers. I just immediately go get off my lawn, stop talking to me, get off my phone. I don't unsubscribe. Do not want this in my life. I don't begrudge them. You, Hey, you could sell pay-per-views to go do it. Go do it. I just lament the fact that it feels like these are the biggest things we get in combat sports now. And I know some UFC purists is going to say, what are you talking about? We had an awesome card this weekend. Cool. Did not have the crossover. We need big, sexy names. And, you know, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, I'm not going to pretend that wasn't a sideshow either, but at least it was two really big, sexy names. And again, I remember Nate Diaz as a UFC fighter. I feel like I've watched and enjoyed his fights, but I just wish that boxing could still be 
what it should be. And this could exist and this can be its own thing. But yeah, I think I think loser is like North America for these things existing. I, I'll even throw my own sport that I love in it. It's like, do we have to have another the match every like it's like, oh, a golfer and a quarterback are going to go play. Oh, who is this for? Who wants this? <laughs> so I just I, I I get angry at it. So loser, the sports world in general for that having existed. Yeah. And I think it is having a negative impact because the greatest boxer on the planet right now, I guess heavyweight on the planet right now, I guess Bud Crawford, probably the best on the planet. I'll take your word for Uh, it. But Tyson Fury, right? And who's Tyson Fury fighting next? Not a big name boxing heavyweight who, you know, if we're living in a true meritocracy, would be fighting Tyson Fury. It's Francis Ngannou who used to be a UFC uh, fighter and a heavyweight champion at that, but not a boxer. No. And Tyson Fury is going to absolutely destroy him, and it's not going to be what it should be, the next best. It's going to be Francis Ngannou because he's got a name. It just has me long Like, I remember, and, you know, again, like, this is all, you know, I'm a little older in this instance, but I do love to play the game of was it better or was I 12? This is a was it better or was I 22 and out in the bar? But, like, I remember there being a Kentucky Derby Saturday that went right into, like, an awesome slate of college football games that ended with... Pacquiao, and I can't remember who it was, but he got, Pacquiao got rocked and dropped. And it was like a big, sexy boxing fight. And it was just the ultimate culmination of an amazing sports day. And it just feels like we don't get those anymore. So challenge, please, please, boxing and UFC. You can do it too. I would love to be, I would love to be sucked into your world. Like I remember getting jacked up for big UFC fights, but it just doesn't feel like they have the crossover. And like, I suppose a little bit of that could be on me, but I'm going to point the finger uh, at the sport. Uh, Other winner for me. Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. Guy's going to play in a hockey game that matters one way or another this year. I don't know exactly how well it's going to go for him. I don't even know that the Penguins are a with a bullet playoff team for sure, but that guy's going to play in hockey games that matter. There's going to be a magnifying glass on him, and I suppose you could you could say, hey, you sure he ends up a winner? I don't know that he ends up as one, but he definitely is one today. This guy finally is going to matter again in the NHL and not just in a, oh, look at this statistical oddity way. He's really going to matter, so that's awesome for both him, but it's awesome for the league as well. Yeah, NHL winners as well. I mean, not that the time zone is everything, but your Norris Trophy guy who did something that we don't see uh, last year did it without anyone seeing it. Yeah, (laughs) so uh, that's a big issue. And if he's playing with, you know, Sidney Crosby, who is one of the faces of the league and playing for one of the, despite it being small-ish market, one of the franchises that means the most to this league, uh, it is definitely a very, very good thing. Uh, Big loser. I don't know, big loser. Because Justin Thomas gave it a go. And he had a moment that was nearly remarkable on 18. But he misses out on the FedEx Cup playoffs. I don't know what he's going to be doing for the next month, but it's not playing golf on the biggest tour in the world. uh, Because he didn't make the top 70. Justin Thomas not making the top 70. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, but he's been going through it for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've diagnosed the issues on the golf show, uh, but it is remarkable that Justin Thomas and it didn't make the top 70. Ben Griffin gets in because Justin Thomas could not birdie 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did get an eagle, I think, on 15. Yep, gave that's a shot what gave back. Him a shot, yeah. Uh, but Justin Thomas was kind of the story at the Wyndham Championship, despite just not really competing for the Wyndham Championship, Mm -hmm. just him going to be uh, or him trying to be 
top 10 trying to make the FedEx cup playoffs was really the, the biggest story in terms of golf purists, not purists, I guess, cause they probably like Lucas Glover or than golf casuals for golf casuals. Uh, they were at the all eyes were on Justin Thomas uh, and he didn't quite get it done, but man, he, he nearly did. That was uh, pretty remarkable on 18, a chip from about, I don't know, 70 feet, maybe yep. hits the pin and, and kind of rolls out. Uh, he needed to sink that chip to make the big money events to close the season. And now Justin Thomas, despite being one of the best golfers in the world, at least off the top of our heads, when we're yep. thinking about that, not even in the top 70 this year, that's tough. No, probably that probably keeps him from being a Ryder Cupper, not getting into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, you can make the argument that somebody would still want him as a captain's pick, uh, not me. We don't need to get too deep into that. The other winner of that is PGA Tour. Like, obviously, you would rather Justin Thomas is in your playoffs and you're able to go, but there's enough star power that you Mm -hmm. don't need JT. But if we flip it, and that's Lucas Glover, who has to make a birdie on 18, guess what? No one knows no one cares other than Lucas Glover and his family. That's You need a sexy guy to be on the bubble there. Maybe you would have rathered it's a guy like three spots below on the pecking order. It's like, no, it'd be better if that was Tony Finau. Okay, sure, I can hear that argument, but you needed somebody with name recognition. And this has been the problem with golf is that for too long, and rightfully so, I watch a tournament, and the thing I care most about is who wins, but there is more at stake in a tournament than just who wins. You know, a guy going from third place to second place is going to win himself like a hundred grand and points on the season. You can cover these things more that way. And you saw that with the way they covered it. Now, again, that doesn't happen if it's pretty much anybody outside of JT or a pretty select club of guys that get that treatment. So that's why I actually do look at it as a winner. It sucks for him in the very near term, but guess what? The tour championship is still going to be great with or without JT. Cause you're going to have, you know, of the 30 guys there, you're still going to have 15 to 20 that you're like, Oh, okay. I know who this guy is. I'm excited about this guy. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't cost him that much yeah. because you got to be top 30 to yeah. get into the final tournament, which is, you know, might've been, uh, I don't know if you'd be hard pressed because he played pretty well, well to win the championship. It, I but. mean, the way golf works is you have one or two good results, especially in the playoffs and you're safe. Like yeah. you get yourself in the top 10, in any of those tournaments, you'll be laughing. But uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be missing him from that event because nope. it's going to be the we'll elite miss him of the elite. Rider, Rider Cup time. You Rider will Cup, miss him for sure. For sure. Um, Get him on the broadcast. I can't, I, can't dis- I can't decide if this is a winner or loser move. I think it's your mindset determines mm. it, and I don't know what the mindset is per se, but Carson Wentz did the most hilarious thing I actually didn't over the see weekend. This. Carson Wentz was working out. He's still a free agent. Of course, okay. the NFL season is upon us. Training camp's underway. Um, he was wearing different pieces of attire from all his different spots mm. so far in the league. So he had on, I think Indianapolis Colts shorts. Sure. I think he was wearing a Philadelphia Eagles helmet and he was wearing the Jersey or penny. Sure. I believe of the commanders. Uh, it looked totally goofy. The best joke was he looks like a parlay. He did look like a parlay on an NFL Sunday, but if he's like, if this was like, Hey, look at all the teams I played for. You should sign me. It's lame. But if he was just having fun with it, his journeyman status and being a bit of a goof about it, I could get in the winner's category for Carson Wentz wearing the garb of three different NFL teams. Working um, loser. I decided quickly. Okay. Uh, okay. The yellow and again, our guy Andrew is a big commander's guy. I don't know if you know this about that. No, you know Andrew I, quite I, well. I do. I'm a big fan. Uh, <laughs> you don't the, like people, but you like Andrew. Yeah, I do. He, <laughs> he Look, guy brought me a donut, okay? It's not that hard to get a, on my good side. The the mustard and red just throws it all off there. I could have got behind like the it's not blue. a good look. I could have got behind the blue Colt shorts with like a black or gray t-shirt and then the Eagles helmet because the Eagles helmet looks great. Yeah. It's 
just the commander's colors are too. I, I didn't. I didn't think you'd be nitpicking like the yeah, like that's how the everything no, goes. Look, here's the problem. Okay? I think the self-deprecation might be the thing that puts him in the winner, but I'm not sure if he's being no. self-deprecating. I think he, I think he probably is. I mean, he could probably get some black shorts and you know colored colorless garb if he wants to. So I think he's probably doing this to prove a point to himself or whatever uh this stuff always kills me like i would love to hear his rationale of like i wanted to have a piece of every stop with me so i can remember all the lessons i've learned okay say oh, that if it went that yeah. far say, that's loser that's all that i guarantee oh, yeah. I, you know you don't think he gave that line to some player personnel guy who Ooh. was there like shaking hands with him after you don't you don't think that exact line if he delivered that line him? he's not getting a job okay well then i think we're gonna see him on this not on the sidelines and potentially talking to do a mic because i guarantee you to a man he said that uh, winners currently France up three nothing on Morocco Tough. as the quarterfinals continue at the Women's World Cup. Before we take a break, though, uh, as of August one, for a limited time, Canadians can get their hands on the newest McFlurry flavor mm. from McDonald's Canada, the Squish Mallows McFlurry. That sounds delicious. To celebrate this latest Would addition take. to the McFlurry lineup, we will be giving away prize packs of a hundred dollars in McDonald's gift cards. All week, all you have to do is tune into the Fan Morning Show, listen for our daily code word, and text it, of course, to five ninety five ninety. Today's code word is. Blueberry. Text Blueberry. That's one word. Blueberry to 59590 for your chance to win a $100 McDonald's gift card. I guess Blueberry Incorporated in the Squishmallows McFlurry. I might need to try one of those. Yeah, sounds wonderful. I'll be honest. I had to stop zoning out or you're going to hear. I had to start zoning out or you're going to hear full on Homer Simpson like (laughs) drooling on the air and no one needs that. Uh, Big final hour. So let's get to it. Dan Shulman and then Frank Saravalli will talk about the Blue Jays with Dan, of course, who are 14 games above 500, the highest or most they've been above 500 the entire year. And of course, we'll break down the Eric Carlson trade with our guy. Frank Saravalli. It's Dan and it's Frank and it's next.